Hello everyone. I am just here to remind you that this Saturday, July 23rd at 8.30 p.m. Eastern Time, we will be doing a live recording on Zoom of the season finale of this podcast. Um, We're going to have special guests. We're going to be wearing pirate costumes. We're going to do a live Q&A at the end of the episode. And a lot of what happens during the live show will not be in the version of the podcast that makes it onto the feed. So you should definitely come. Tickets are only $10. There's a link in the show notes. It's just going to be like a super fun time. And we really hope to see all of you there. And yeah, I think that's everything. Get get your tickets right now. They are limited. So, you know, don't don't delay, don't put it off, go grab your tickets like this very moment so that you don't miss out on all of the fun. Okay, bye. Avast ye and welcome to the Gay Pirate Podcast, where two queer IRL pirates talk about our flag means death one episode at a time. I'm Lark Malachi Gray, and some of us are trying to bask in moon glow. I'm Jesse Blount, and I can still hear you saying you would never break the chain. No fair, it's not supposed to be sad, it's supposed to be funny. <laughs> <laughs> I could sing it instead if that would be more amusing, which I literally was like, I should just sing this line. But uh, anyway, I've never heard you sing. Maybe you should do it. I can still. Oh, wait. I can... Now. OK, now I feel just this is too much pressure. It's fine. <laughs> wait, no, I just need a second. I just need a second. OK. <clears throat> I can still hear you saying you will never break the chain. Never okay anyway you love this love this here song anyway um today we are talking about episode eight of our flag means death we go way back and we start off with buttons doing his nearly full moon ritual butt ass naked when some rando in a rowboat pulls out of the fog looking for ed buttons is not about to just say if ed is here but he goes wake him up anyway in the morning, Steed is rudely awakened by the sound of the Revenge's cannon going off because Ed and his friend Calico Jack, dude in the rowboat, are tanked and are shooting ca- and are shooting cannons at a bit of spare furniture that's just, oh, you know, been in Steed's family for generation, no biggie. Steed is trying his best to be his cheerful self in the face of Jack's total embodiment of frat boy cruelty. Meanwhile, uh, Ola one day is day drinking and is very sad about Jim and doesn't want to live in the room that they shared, much to the excitement of the rest of the crew. Frenchie, with a little help from Wee John, secures the room, though. And speaking of Jim, somewhere in the Republic of Pirates, Geraldo is at, is at confession, but gets a rude awakening because Jim wasn't just going to forgive and forget the whole selling them out to the Spanish Navy. Cue the string music of revenge. Anyway, back on the boat, Steed's intimate breakfast with Ed is interrupted by this gross interloper with bad manners and even worse stories, including about a time Ed basically set a ship full of folks on fire. Whoops. Anyway, time for whippies, which uh, mainly involves whipping things like empty bottles or Ed's balls with a bull whip. <laughs> Kinky. <laughs> Frenchie and Wee John are missing the action by enjoying having a room a room of their own for the very first time in their lives. Frenchie, 
taking the initiative, is drawing up interior design plans for their room, which is the cutest fucking thing. Up on deck, Ed and Jack are just telling gross stories, and we learn that Jack has saved Ed's life, which is, like, cute, I guess. Also, it turns out that, Jack, that Jack's crew is muting him, lol, duh, but going to a nearby Blindsman's Cove would, would surely cheer him right up. Ed convinces Steed to give Jack a chance with his damn baby sail eyes, and, well, Steed's only human, so he gives in. At this cove, Ed and Jack convince the crew to do some bro activities like Yardies, aka drinking more rum and jumping from one of the sail riggings into the water, or tying a knife to a turtle and making it fight a crab. Back at Jackie's bar, meanwhile, Jim has Geraldo at knife point because they need to know what Jackie knows about the gang that killed their family. Jackie doesn't play these games, though, and just shoots Geraldo. Um, okay, Jim's plan B is a fight to the death, but Jackie's got the upper hand with... A knife in their prosthetic ham. Bam! Jackie suggests plan C, which is putting their knives down and having a drink. What a good idea. Uh, on the beach, weird animal fights are not really Steve's idea of a good time. And neither is Calico, motherfucking Jack, coming up to Steve to rub in that he and Ed have fucked in the past. Steve has seen what Jack is working with and is so, so not impressed. Definitely a euphemism. Their little pissing contest over... Literally, Steve decides to go back to the ship. At Jackie's dive bar, Jackie is giving Jim some good advice about the wisdom of letting go of the revenge plot because it ages you. Jim's ready for that, but first they would really like to know more information about the dogs that killed their family. No worries, babe. Jackie's gotcha because Geraldo was one of those dudes and the rest are probably dead. Or, you know, coming back in season two. Back on the revenge, the frat party is still going on deck as everyone is wasted and the bullwhip is back out. Buttons, trying to do his full moon ritual, is like, shut the fuck up, everyone. And Ed is like, you know, Prince said parties aren't meant to last, you guys. But Jack is not having any of this and has a hissy fit with the whip and accidentally kills Carl the seagull. R.I.P. Carl! This is the last straw for Steve, who kicks Jack off the ship, and for Buttons, who is now totally focused on hexing Jack. Jack leaves and Ed goes with him, much to Steve's displeasure. Ed wakes up on the beach um, the next day with Jack, no food or water, just rum. Steve has been watching them all night because he is not handling this breakup well, which has kept all one day up since he tried to sleep on Steve's couch. Lucius is here, though, to help, and he's fantastic at breakups. So Lucius rolls out to the island, bumping Beyonce's Irreplaceable and dropping off Ed's weed pipe and shit and reminding Ed that Steve really liked him, like all of him, not just the shitty frat bro part of him. On the revenge... Buttons has to break Carl's death to his widow, Olivia, and he is not doing any of his usual navigation duties, which is going to bite them all in the ass very shortly. Steve, meanwhile, is letting the crew know about Carl's burial at sea and the breakup, which was uh, 110% Steve's decision. Ed and Jack are now rowing away from Dead Man's Cove, and Jack lets it slip that no one's friend Izzy Hands told him about the good ship Gentobield and that this whole thing was a setup. Izzy and Jackie sold Steed out, and Izzy wanted Ed removed from the situation before the English shows up, which turns out is right now. Jack reminds Ed that Blindsman's Cove is a perfect place for a sea ambush because there's not, there's literally no escaping. Ed is so fucking pissed. How dare Jack disregard Ed's feelings? I mean, his friendship with Steed. So Ed swims back to the revenge, and, all, and Olivia and Buttons work their magic on Jack, who was killed by a cannonball to the chest. Rotten hell, Calico Jack. <laughs> Ed comes back just in time to tell them to raise a white flag. And then we come to the most iconic fucking perfect scene in this show. 
Cue the opening riff to Fleetwood Mac's The Chain as the English row a dinghy over, the drummer in the dinghy keeping time to the beat of the song. Stevie Nicks starts singing as the English run up the crew, complete with Frenchie strumming the lute in time with the guitar. Then the soft instrumental part of the song fades in the background as Ed and Steed are slammed down on the deck next to each other. You came back, Steed whispers. Never left, Ed says with a click of his tongue and a wink. Then we get the fucking bass and drums from the end of the song, which ramps up right as Ed's foot slowly moves to touch Steed's, and then the fucking hard guitar and drums drop, and the episode cuts to credits. I literally have goosebumps. You just did such a good job. I also I just have don't this know if you can like stuff. see and <laughs> everything about this scene gives me fucking goosebumps and like yes. Seriously, no, Ugh. you like nailed it. I just like felt like <laughs> chills roll down my body. That was so good. I spent like twenty minutes writing this last part of my summary because I'm like, I have to let everyone know how important this scene, along with this song, is. Just, yeah, every time. Chills. Yep. Yep. <sighs> You're super correct. Um, I will have everyone who is listening know that Jesse and I are both wearing moon-themed shirts right now. Can you reveal? I can't see your, what your whole shirt is. Oh, so I have not only, so I have a very witchy cat t-shirt that has a little pentagram on its forehead and some crystals at the bottom and like the moon faces on top, which is exactly the shirt that I would wear if I was also trying to curse a disgusting frat bro to his death. Mm-hmm. So It's perfect. Um, mine is like reversible sequins. So if I go like this, it's a crescent moon, which is really hard to tell. <gasps> Whoa! But because it kind of just looks like a disco ball anyway. But when you push it down like that, it's full moon. That is so cool. Is what it needs to be for this episode. <laughs> but... I also have moons and stars on my neckerchief. Nice. That's what that's called. I'm glad that we're both like, this is a witchy episode. Clearly, we both need to pull out our our witchy full moon looks. Exactly. (laughs) All right. So before we get into it, please don't forget to rate and review us on iTunes. Uh, Tell everyone that you know about this podcast because it is almost over until season two. Um Check out our Patreon if you want to celebrate Hot Pirate Summer with us. We have super cute merch in our shop. And follow us on social media. All of those links are in the show notes. With that, we're going to get started with Talk It Through as a crew, where we talk about everything that doesn't go anywhere else. Please start. I love this opening shot of the crew, well, half the crew, asleep on the, the deck, because the first thing we see is Roach, like, clutching a sack of onions like it's a teddy bear. <laughs> I know. <laughs> it's so good. They all look so uncomfortable, but so cute. Yeah. Um, My first thing is that in the scene where Wee John trips the Swede as Frenchie's chasing him, uh, what... Wee John is doing is fixing Lucius's purple striped shirt. Like he's sewing his shirt for him. I didn't notice that. I know. It's so cute. And then Lucius is wearing it again at the end of the episode. That's so cute. I know. It just made me really happy. I feel like there's a lot of like the tenderness of Wee John in this episode. I feel like we really get so much about so many crew members who we haven't really 
gotten any depth on yet. Yeah. And it's funny how we get it for so many people all at once in one episode, you know? Yeah, I feel like this show does a lot with like a little bit where it's like you just kind of automatically are like, oh, yeah, this 30 seconds, I got it. I I now know a lot about this character. Yeah. Um, I have... <sighs> so this... Sorry, I had to go back to this. This first shot in the moonlight where we have all the revenge crew, except for Steed, obviously, sleeping on deck. Where have Ed and Fang and I been <laughs> Wow, great question. And the other, like, occasional appearances of the other crew members <laughs> from, from the Queen Anne's Revenge. Um, I think we're just going to have to go to our default the revenge is the tardis answer yeah maybe they're sleeping in steed's auxiliary closet (laughs) (laughs) if anyone is doing that it is definitely ed (laughs) yeah (sighs) yeah that's all i got sorry that that's totally fine um can we talk about the audacity of steed waking up to gunfire saying don't shoot i'm just a stowaway (laughs) Oh, Steed. It's so funny. <laughs> <laughs> he's he's just so he's so ridiculous. Um okay, so my next thing is just Ed does this funny little dance of talking about whippies with like his hands on his like hips and he's just sort of like moving his body back and forth in a way that is like so funny to me. It's like one of <laughs> the most gift moments of this show i think because it is like so weird and so funny <laughs> it's really great uh, um okay i just have to say that steed is awfully judgmental about ed burning people alive in a ship for a man who just did this himself two episodes ago the hypocrisy like steve (laughs) do do you think that those front people all got away from that burning ship because i doubt it because there was a dinghy full of like black dudes who were like peace out y'all and so most of those people are probably dead my dude (laughs) right i mean we saw them jumping overboard but like where were they how close to land were they like they they're, yeah, they're, they probably didn't make it, Steed Bonnet. So people in glass houses and all that. For sure. Yeah. Um, I love, love, love Jackie and Jim's mutual adoration about what bad motherfuckers they are. <laughs> okay, look. Honestly, I had this whole scene in... in the co-captain section like that's how much i like this we can talk about it we can talk about it there if you want no it's fine we're talking about it let's just go with it it is it's so good and also it just like obviously i ship jim and olawande super hard but like same in this moment i would be very happy to have a jim and spanish jackie like subplot on jim's way back to olawande you know i have to tell you i literally once okay so i was like watching that scene i'm like writing my notes 
And then I'm like, you know, there's no fucking way that Spanish Jackie was like, yo, Jim, I got a couple of open slots for my husband's if you want to, you know. And then I had to stop and like write part of it out because <laughs> I was just like, no way. I actually have to work through this because this is incredible. Wait, are you going to make like an actual fic for us to put on Patreon? Yeah, I started, I started writing it. So because <laughs> so I was immediately like, yeah, no, this, this, yeah. So I don't know where it's going to go, but I started writing because I was like, no way. I need to I can fully give this idea my full attention. <laughs> yeah. Please do. And like, we haven't posted a not safe for work fic on Patreon in a while. So I'm just saying that like, the time is, is maybe now for that to happen. Fair. Okay, fair. (sighs) Y'all, if you are not on our Patreon yet, like joining just so that you can read Jesse's fanfic is like, absolutely worth it. It's really good. I know all of my brain is our flag means death. So I really got to keep writing more. Yeah. Anyway, I'll talk to, I'll tell you about that after we're not we're not recording. Okay. Anyway. Okay. Great. <laughs> yes. Oh, I I don't know if the scene where Calico Jack is describing the people being burned alive was like improvised or not. It feels like it was. It's so funny. Um, it's it, the just the, the fact that he concludes with whatever you would scream when you were burning to death <laughs> which i feel like is what was written in the script where it's like improvise whatever you would scream when you were burning to death but then he just like says that out loud and i like it's so good <laughs> this joke's so good yeah will Arnett does an excellent job in this episode and because of the wig and the mustache it like nicole's like is that will arnett and i'm like no and then i'm like oh wait it totally <laughs> i don't that's fine. He's in... Did you watch Arrested Development? He's the guy who plays Calico Jack. Okay, never mind. He's... I don't know who anyone is. That's totally Sorry. fair. Anyway, he's been in other stuff. People really like him in things. Cool. Is it my turn? It is your turn. Um, Why is Jack totally that dude who, like, is peeing at the u- at the urinal next to Steve, even though every the rest of the bathroom is empty? It's a power <laughs> move. Okay. <laughs> Look, okay. <laughs> I'm going to come back to this when we talk about Calico Jack in um, Brigade of Imbeciles. Um, Should I go on to my next thing then? Sure, yeah. Edward Teach, you're just too old to be sleeping face first on the beach. I know you're like (laughs) super drunk and I've definitely (laughs) slept in really uncomfortable places, including in my own vomit. But like on face first on the beach when you're this gray, Ed, just what are you doing? I swear to God, sand is like one of the least comfortable sur- like substances you can sleep on too, because it's like it's like oobleck or something, you know, like the parts that you're not directly compressing are like moving away from you, but the parts that you're on are like rock hard. I can't imagine a more uncomfortable thing to sleep on, honestly. I know. In that position, yeah, no, it sounds terrible. Um. I'm still, like, way back at the beginning of this episode. All right, let's go to the beginning of this episode. <laughs> Sorry. Um, so I really appreciate... So we, we sort of come in at the end of this story that Ed is telling about Jack, like, pooping everywhere but the bedpan. And as always, like, the reason... One of the reasons that Lucius is 
one of my top characters is because like we have a lot in common when it comes to things like this because the look on his face and the like forced <laughs> laughter that he provides where he's like I I wish I could unhear the story that I just heard but everyone else is laughing and I don't want to be like that dude who's like fucking ew so he's just like <laughs> like yeah I feel the same way and I didn't even hear the story yeah I'm like whatever's in the first part of that story is like not yeah not great no it's not uh, anyway what do you have next uh just the the sound that Olawande makes when Steed asks him if he's better looking than Jack <laughs> <laughs> Which I feel like in my brain is like, listen, neither of y'all are my type. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Also the like, you're my boss. This is not a fair question <laughs> to pose to me. Uh, my next thing is the fact that Jackie is 25 years old. That is like probably one of my favorite jokes on this show. <laughs> it's, like, it's like, right. Jim, like guessing like, uh, Oh my god, Leslie Jones' actual age, and then for her to be like, no, 25 is... <laughs> the delivery, too, where she says it in, like, her most grizzled voice, you know? <laughs> right. <laughs> Just the look on Jake's face, where they're like, okay, alright, well, uh... <laughs> how, do I, how do I respond to that? <laughs> uh so good uh okay yes what do you have next i think my last i I only have one more thing which is i don't think there's ever been a better standoff shot than between calico jack olivia the seagull and buttons (laughs) it is a work of art (laughs) yes truly truly the just like, there's a lot of, like, obviously incredible technical things happening in this episode, but that also is just so good. <laughs> the, yes, like, the, the, this, I can't even make words happen. The direction of this episode is immaculate. I don't, there's nothing that could be improved, I don't think. No. Also, the fact that, Buttons is making these faces and it's like every shot you're like, yeah, certainly that is the most humorous facial expression you are capable of making. And then it cuts back to him and he's making an even stranger expression. It's I don't fucking know, man. It's too good. We we do not deserve this show. It's what a gift. Yeah, I know. Truly, truly a gift. Welcome to A Brigade of Imbeciles, where we talk about character development. Can we, we should start with Buttons, right? This is really Buttons' episode. We learned so much about Buttons while also still knowing nothing, because Buttons is extremely enigmatic, which is great. Love that. Uh, obviously, the most important thing is that he actually can talk to birds. He's not just a bird guy. He is like a bird guy yeah he 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 is he is a magical he's a magical person and he you know he's here for his uh his moon his moon bathing 
his little flute and like i don't know it's like the subject does a really good job of like giving button some depth as a character but still leaving right so much of him so unknown so he can still continue to be sort of a like funny side character you know like he can still continue to do outrageous things and make like cannibal jokes and without having to be like oh we need like an in-depth story about his background you know i honestly hope that we never get a backstory on buttons i want him to stay this like mysterious witch with superpowers who wants to eat people and never know where he came from or what happened to him previous to being on the revenge yeah same because like once you do that you can just it's like you just make up the funniest things about Button's character and like if there's not a backstory to contradict it, then it can just be, it can be whatever the show needs it to be. But then also like we get in this episode sort of like his like emotional depth from him. Right. Which, you know, as a weird animal person, I totally get, you know, it's like, this was my friend. Like, how dare you? Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, you know, you I don't remember how long ago it was that you brought up Buttons being a witch, but I feel like the fact that Olivia knows his birth name and presumably no one, no humans around him know his birth name also really lends to that to me. Um, it has sort of like Wizard of Earthsea vibes, which I think you haven't read, but I've not that, read, unfortunately. But I, it's on in my that list. series, everyone has like a true name and a use name, basically. And you like, your true name has like weight and power, and like magicians can use it to control you. So you like only give it out if it's like a, a deep trust, you know, someone who has like earned that gift. And I, that's what it makes me think of is like birds can be trusted with buttons true name you know and everyone else gets his his username yeah and i mean i think there's also like you know fairy tale and like fae stories that i think are also like the power of knowing a true name and like yeah the power of not using a birth name or whatever which so yeah i i also love that we get that specifically from olivia the seagull yeah i want to clarify that i'm not uh saying that birth names and true names are the same thing unilaterally, but that that's what we're seeing specifically with Buttons. Um, mm-hmm. And in fact, in the Wizard of Earthsea, you are given your true name when you're 12, when a wizard comes to your village and takes you to a baptism-me thing, magical, and then it's like, your true name has been revealed to me by the powers of the universe. Anyway. I know, there really should be some like trans-specific fantasy about this, I feel like, about the magic of given names you know or self-given names self found names however you Mm -hmm. want to do that um anyway if anyone's written that let let us know because i would definitely read that hell yes wow got really off topic (laughs) no not really i think it was i think we were still on topic Mm -hmm. yeah and i think it's safe to say that he has legitimately hexed calico jack uh yeah yeah seriously (laughs) yeah it's not just a cute coincidence. Like, this is real magic that has taken place. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I feel like Buttons being able to communicate with Carl and Olivia is, you know, real magic. And sort of, I think also on top of the real magic that Buttons has been using to sort of, as partly to keep 
the revenge safe. Like, I think it's also not a coincidence that in the episode where Buttons is is having so much grief that he's distracted from, like, his navigational duties is the episode where the English essentially sneak up on the revenge. Yeah. Where usually on past episodes, you know, Buttons is like, oh, yeah, there's a ship like a day and a half away from here, which... I don't know exactly how spyglasses work and how much time it takes if you're on a boat like this, but that seems pretty incredible, like a pretty incredible skill. And yeah. for that many large ships to have rolled up on the Revenge, like they, they, they've been out there for a minute, you know? Yeah, no, uh, Jack is honestly, for his goals, pretty lucky that he accidentally killed Carl because there's no way that they could have snuck up on them if Buttons had been on top of his game yeah exactly yeah all right yeah who shall we talk about next um i have a lot about ed cool let's do it i guess i want to first say that uh ed teach truly has a ridiculous taste in men (laughs) (laughs) (sighs) but actually okay (laughs) all jokes aside about ed's taste in dudes I think this is the episode that we are combining sort of the information we're getting about Ed's low self-esteem issues into what I would characterize as Ed's sort of people-pleasing, which I feel very keenly and with much embarrassment. Because I I think that the, the that this change that we see that Ed has in his, around Jack is like not... It's not like sh- it's like shocking, but not surprising, because I think that one of that one of the ways that Ed like deals with his like loneliness and like self esteem issues is to try to be the person that he wants. He, he like he like he kind of shifts himself into the person that the that he is trying to get attention from, like that person that they want to see, and so Ed is sort of putting on like he's like sort of like oh yeah like jokey fun like frat boy vibe. Because he knows that that was what Jack is expecting of him. And Mm -hmm. this is how probably him and Jack have been what their relationship has consisted of, you know? Right. Right. Yeah. I think it's really interesting to watch because I can see, you know, this person from your past shows up. You're like that's so wild like i haven't seen you in forever you're reminiscing you're drinking you're like getting into like goofy stuff that feels nostalgic and then he's getting this reinforcement from the rest of the crew who are like hooray we're having fun getting drunk and whipping things and whatever so he's like okay cool other people want this for me and then jack is a fucking bully like we we should show this episode to like middle schoolers when we're talking about peer pressure because this is what peer pressure actually looks like it's not like all the cool kids are doing it it's like i didn't realize i had an audience with the fucking pope like yeah making you feel like small and silly for not partaking in a thing Mm -hmm. and by that point you know because steed who i think ed feels more comfortable around than and more able to be himself around than like anyone that he's previously had in his life at like this stage of his being has sort of like rejected him in a way 
I don't know. I I can imagine feeling like I will always be this version of myself that I no longer like. And, you know, if Steed doesn't like this version of me, that, like, realistically, he's not that person anymore. But Jack is making him feel like he is, like, that's his true self. I feel like I lost my thread, but no, no, I made some good points along the way. No, I, I, I think I, I totally, I totally follow you. Where I think that Ed saying that this is who he is is definitely more of a reflection of him trying to fit into the like this sort of gross, toxic, toxic masculinity version of piracy. Because what I, what I suspect is that any kind of softness or feelings that maybe Ed tried to share with Calico Jack was probably rejected in a very toxic, gross, like, sexist way. Like, let's be real. Yeah, and they were, you know, it sounds like in a really stressful work environment. (laughs) Like, very, not just work, because, like, they're living there, too, you know? And, well, Ed left that and seems to have, even on his ship where he sort of still has this, like, persona that he's putting on, he seems to have created something much more, less abusive, you know. Fang is, like, afraid of Blackbeard, but I don't think in anywhere near the same way that Jack and Ed are talking about with Hornigold, right? Yeah. Um, But it seems like Jack has just, like, continued having this like idea of what piracy has to look like and so i mean i think he gen like he's genuinely confused when he's like what kind of pirate has a friend no i i think you're i think you're right and because i i do think that there's a lot of i think that in a lot of ways there are some things that jack is playing up in order to separate ed from steed right but i don't think that's one of them i think he's generally like what General human intimacy? What do you, what? Why? Why would you do that? That's not butch. That's not masculine. What do you, like, what? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and also, like, that's vulnerable. And vulnerability is dangerous, so. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I also have some feelings about Ed telling Steve that you are always going to realize who I am. <sighs> My heart. I don't know if you were talking about that here or in... Yeah, no, let's do it. It's just ouchie. I know. It's it's really it's really sad because I, I, I read that as Ed trying to sort of uh, cut loose before his feelings get too hurt about Steed, like, outright rejecting him, which he's obviously too late because he's deeply in love with Steed. And I'm like, dude, you're in some funny denial about that, but all right. If you think you could just roll away with your ex and that's just going to be cool. Like your (laughs) shitty, shitty ex. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, absolutely never deserved him. I mean, I don't know. I don't want to make assumptions about like what good they may or may not have done for each other when they were both younger. (sighs) Yeah, I think it's tragic. I think it sucks Because I think it's, like, fairly common for people to feel like they're never going to be better than the worst of their past. Mm -hmm. And that's just so profoundly untrue. And I don't know, I feel like 
in in an era where our past is like not only available to us in a way that has never been true previously but is available to the public if you're not really careful about what you do with your social media like i think we need to be so on top of being like you are not who you were when you were 20 or 25 or 30 like we are changing all the time and like that's cool good job you like if you look back on your past self and you're like oh that means that you are now a person who's like feels uh about whatever was going on then you know and that's cool great good job you and i just i don't know i wish that ed could have that you know yeah i know yeah it also just kind of makes me wonder if it's one of those like trauma responses where it's like well everyone else left there must be something deeply wrong with me and this excellent person that i am now in a relationship with is like too good like i will just ruin them and it's like that's not how that works. Um, also, you should definitely get therapy if that is how you feel, because that's what I did. And it, let me tell you. <laughs> uh, definitely a thing you talk to your therapist about. But anyway, unfortunately, there's not therapy here for Ed. But Not yet. Because, but Lucius is just waiting for whenever Ed is ready. Because Lucius is an amazing therapist. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's going to cost it a lot, considering the whole throwing Lucius uh, overboard. And Lucius clearly hiding in the walls of the Revenge eating marmalade. Yes, yes. Um, if you're down, I was thinking we could use, as a segue to talking about Steed, the fact that Ed says that Steed and Calico Jack have more in common than one might expect. Which feels true, I think. I think that Steed represents, I think that it's sort of one of those situations where it's like, I really don't like you because I recognize you. Um, it's a lot of how I feel about uh, Tao and Heartstopper. <laughs> like, I hate you so much because I recognize so much of my own self in you and like parts of myself that I've worked so hard to let go of. Yeah, I found I found Tao to be kind of cringe for a very similar for very similar reasons. Yeah. Yeah. You're like, oh my god, let people change. Anyway. But I think yeah, they're both very dramatic. They're both very emotional. They both act on their emotions a lot. They're both very flamboyant, you know? I think there's they're really, you know, Ed really does have a a type. And it makes sense that that they are never, ever, ever going to be friends. Yeah, I also feel like part of that type is covering up their own insecurities by being, like, kind of larger than life, kind of being, like, very, look at me! And um, obviously in very different ways are uh, Jack and Steed, like, look at me. But that that element of their theatricalness is there, and it is there as sort of a cover for sort of whatever they are insecure about. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know what Jack feels insecure about maybe because he has buried his feelings way deep <laughs> um, and maybe he wants to live like Steed and Ed are doing but he cannot allow himself to do that yeah yeah 
So on a like super lighter note about Steed though, this uh, making it up to Calico Jack for, you know, hurting his feelings by being like, let's take a trip. It's just like the most dad thing that he's done in this whole show of him being a dad <laughs> to just like everyone. <laughs> it is deeply cute. He's like, do you want to go to the zoo? Sorry, champ. <laughs> it's really cute. I mean, going to a cool beach would cheer me up, so, like... Same. <laughs> um, even if, obviously, Jack has very obvious material motives for this particular beach, but... Yeah. Uh, what other Steed stuff do you have? So, besides there being some things in Jack that Steed recognizes and dislikes about him, it's also just, like, such... So, obviously, like a terrible amalgamation of every bully that has ever bullied Steve. Like, every, like, terrible dude bro bully who has ever bullied him. And then to see, like, this hold that he has on Ed, who hasn't bullied Steed once, even though he... I don't want to say he could, but as this, like, fearsome pirate, maybe Steve would have expected on some level, but Ed has just been nothing but lovely. Mm-hmm. And I just, I really hate that for Steve. Just like the pinched look that he has for most of this episode is something I'm just like, uh, uh. <laughs> yeah, no, this dude is the worst. <laughs> yeah. And I don't know, man, that feeling when you see your partner around people that are like, that you haven't known previously, but that like have a, big part of their past and you like see a part of them that you don't ever interact with and you're like who the fuck are you like that is a very bad feeling also which i'm sure is not helping and then being like okay well if you like this guy like can you actually like me then like are those two things even compatible which obviously they are but i imagine if it was me i would be like I, I don't think you can have both. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I would be... Oh my god, I'd be so upset if I'm like, this is your ex? Wh- <laughs> what? What What do you see in me? What? Yeah. Yeah. With the extra layer of Steed's... Whatever his uh, awareness or denial of him being of Steed's closet is. <laughs> in the metaphorical closet, not his actual multiple closets. But... yeah. So, because that's like the other interesting thing is obviously we see Steed going going through motions that you're like, yeah, that was my romantic partner. This is exactly what I would be doing. But he's doing it maybe still under the assumption that him and Ed are just really good friends. And I'm right, like, right. oh no, that must feel even worse. Because I feel like, I don't know, I feel like being jealous of your friends is like, somehow feels worse than being jealous about your romantic partner Hmm. just because we don't make space for it in society do you think i think so or i think maybe just because i think there's a lot of conventional advice slash reaction be like oh yeah you would be mad if like your current partner's ex showed up and they were like terrible and you hated them but like not so much of like oh why would you be jealous of your friend's ex right and them not paying attention to you or like listening to you or like unveiling the side of you yeah but I don't know. Yeah. 
Um, I also want to say I there I have never related more to Steed than I do in this episode. Like everything that everyone who's not Steed is doing in this episode seems awful. I think that Steed is one hundred percent correct. Like this part, well, not Buttons. Buttons and Steed are sort of also having the same correct response of like this is not fun. Yeah, like, you are being so loud. You are being cruel. You are making like dangerous unfun decisions and like why would you drink two bottles of rum and like be noisy in the middle of the night when you could go to bed and that has been true about me like my whole life this is not a like (laughs) i'm 35 now i'm just like even when i was like going to parties i was always just like but why is it like this (laughs) like You know, not all of them, not all of them. Some parties are fun, but like parties like this, I don't get it. I feel like parties like this are things that I did in my 20s, but also that was also sort of at the height of my sort of like insecurity about myself and my place in the world and a lot of just other depression issues where I'm like, yeah, let's just get fucking wasted (laughs) and like just do some dumb shit. That sounds great. That's better mm-hmm. than being in my house feeling sad. Mm-hmm. I'm but... not saying I didn't go. <laughs> I'm just saying that I I hate it. <laughs> yeah. I think what really actually resonates for me is being like, you guys, you guys are going to feel like, and you're going to feel like garbage. You are in your 40s. Like, you cannot party like you used to. <laughs> Especially because see how many times you've stabbed your liver. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh. Which I will remind everyone is, in fact, on the right. Does, does it, it does not go all the way across, I thought. I don't, I don't know shit about your body. Sorry, everyone. <laughs> uh, no, where he gets stabbed, despite what Steed says, is not where your liver is. He would be being stabbed in his, like, small intestine area. You know, I literally just did uh, the Demons across Trex Crystals about this, and I'm still just like, no, your liver is huge. It goes all the way across. It does, but it's 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 shaped like this, so mm. like it goes up and then it like gets small, so it's like under your rib cage mm. when it's on the left side of you. Um, it doesn't go all the way to the left, but it's only down on the right side. I mean, I think regardless, once you get past a certain age, drinking a bunch of rum and like not sleeping for two days, your body's gonna be like, "Why did you?" put me through a meat grinder because that's what your body's gonna feel like <laughs> totally yes uh yeah it is it is wild the decisions that everyone is making at this party at least all is like oh part of it is that i drink two bottles of rum yep poor poor all i know oh my god yes um Poor Olawande in so many parts of this episode. My first note about him is poor Olawande trying to have a person conversation with these Muppets. <laughs> I know. I know. I know. It's it's a really sad. <laughs> he, he's like having his worst only person on a crew of Muppets episode so far because he's just like, can I please talk to anyone about the feelings that I'm having? And everyone's like, la, 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 absolutely not. Buttons gets, cl- Buttons gets close. He does. Yes, he tries. Um, which I actually I actually thought was very touching. Mm-hmm. 
and also, clearly, Olawanda did not tell anyone besides Steed, maybe, that Jim was gone. Because <laughs> Buttons is like, how did they die? And Olawanda's like, they're alive. And it's like, what What else would he, what else would Buttons think if, like, Jim didn't come back and now you're drinking at, like, 8 a.m. in the morning and have just given your bedroom away? <laughs> yeah, that's fair. <sighs> yeah, this is... This is a rough episode for him. It is. Yeah. So obviously, yes, he gives the room away. He's really regretting the decision to give the room away, which Lucius is like not kind about. And I fucking love that interaction. <laughs> so <laughs> It's like one of my favorite interactions to date that anyone has had their their banter even though Olawande is like hungover and like exhausted it's still it's impeccable i know i know i think yeah i think there's, if there's anyone that comes close to not being a muppet on this crew when Olawande wants to talk about feelings it's lucius definitely and i hope we get more banter from them next season because it, it yeah like it's so good mm-hmm. <laughs> just like <laughs> yeah it's excellent yeah and i mean oh one has been drinking for like two days because he's he starts drinking even but like i mean not before jack shows up but like w- the morning that jack shows up like we see all one day like drinking and it's like like the sweet is like doing his job and all one day is like day drinking and it's I like know. oh no you're so sad <laughs> You yeah. started so early. Yeah. Um, Lucius. This is our first, I think our first real like therapy, Lucius. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, yeah. Lucius is right away. Like, all right. So this is, this is a breakup breakup. Huh? Yeah. I think the spat or a rupture is like pulled from like 2022 couples therapy lingo. <laughs> Um, having just done couples therapy for like a year, our therapist said rupture like a lot, like at least a few times a session. It is like very current hip therapy lingo. So that makes me really happy too. I feel like we just would be an excellent couples counsel. As I mean, as we kind of see here, honestly. Absolutely. Yeah. Also, this is like his gayest that he's been to where he's like, I'm fantastic with breakups. <laughs> Oh my god, the yes. bit where he's like the way that he's talking is he takes the spyglass from Steed and then hands it to Olawande. Yeah, he's like very peak gay friend in this episode, which is fine because Steed is also gay, but is just floundering, really. Um because he's never had to deal with a breakup before for a relationship that he hasn't maybe t- is Maybe not, or he's not 100% aware that this is a romantic relationship and he is sad about. <laughs> right, exactly. So, yeah. Yeah. And then Lucius being like, let me look at his things in a box and roll up to him and give it back to him. Yep. <sighs> oh, man, he really nails it. Because Lucius would be like, actually, I gotta come back and get my sweater. Oh, since we're here, we should have like breakup sex. And it's like, and like good for him yeah (laughs) yeah no this is i mean it is it's the perfect thing to do because you know they can't text each other whatever and having lucius as like a go-between where it's like he's done with you 
and Ed giving the like perfect setup of like you didn't put any of the nice soap in there um so that Lucius could be like it's not a care package I don't it's just <sighs> I don't know I don't ever remember what awards are for what but whatever the one for TV is this this show needs all of them and Emmy Emmys yes yeah yeah this show deserves all the Emmys for both the cast and the crew honestly yep. so um but yeah uh that scene is so good I also desperately want to know what else is in that box you can see the bit of his weed pipe sticking out but I cannot tell what else is. it's like obviously like five things in there. Mm-hmm. <laughs> just like what an extra knife like what the fuck else is in there <laughs> yeah Lucius um is a really good friend he is who should we talk about next do you have a little bit about well i think guess stuff about jack really would maybe make more sense than they were co-captains so i have stuff about jack oh we can talk about jack then um we've actually talked about some of it already but i just want to he is he's really good at what he's doing he's so manipulative and he doesn't come across as someone who would be manipulative and so i think it's like so much more effective because of that too you know he knows steed's name obviously and that that scene where he's just like steve's the greatest and steed's like it's steed and he goes what is and just like walks away <laughs> like yeah i i actually yeah like i'm actually as much as i hate calico jack i'm actually really impressed about how deftly he maneuvers i mean ed he's known for a long time so he's pretty good at that but he like is only going off of izzy's spiteful observations of steed to like manipulate him and he still he still like gets it like right on the bullseye about what's going to ruffle steed's feathers yep yeah and like turn the crew against steed too yeah and make ed feel embarrassed about you know the people that he's associated himself with yeah because jack doesn't just you know peer pressure ed he's peer pressuring everyone and i don't know i was just thinking about the the line when like roach is freaked out about doing yardies and jack is just like what the fuck kind of pirates are these and it's quiet probably everyone hears but it's like really it's so manipulative because then they all are like, yeah, what kind of pirates are we? And also then Blackbeard is like, oh my God, I like should feel shame about these people that I've come to consider my friends because they're like, quote unquote, not good pirates. Yeah. Yeah. Which is hilarious because I'm like, well, these are the kind of pirates that want to stay alive, number one. But on the other hand, like if Jack is truly doing all this frat boy bullshit all the time like he would have been dead like Hmm. jack is like jack says that shit to rile everyone up but obviously jack also is more cautious than he's putting on or else he wouldn't have lived this long as a pirate Hmm. you know like he's yeah i think we're led to i mean i don't don't know how old the actor is in real life but like i we're led to believe that him and ed are around the same age and he's just as gray in his in his hair as ed is so if him and Ed were truly, well, I mean, I guess if you're like in your 20s and you're jumping off, I don't know, a 30 foot 
mast into the ocean. You're like, you don't care because you're 20. And you're like, I'm going to live forever. Um, right. But clearly he's not still doing that or else he would be dead. Like Roach should have broken like half of his bones, but whatever. The show is, it doesn't matter. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I think you can jump off of things into the water safely, probably into your 40s and beyond. But Yeah, but not the way that Roach is doing it. No, I I think you're supposed to go further out on the mast. <laughs> yeah. Before you jump. Which also seems terrifying if you're not, I don't know, have the thighs of a tightrope walker. Because the minute you let go, or like at least more rigging to hold on to. <laughs> I know. Oh my god, I know. So yeah, I'm like, I don't know, smart ones are the yeah, ones that concerned totally. about being safe. So yeah, no, Jack knows exactly what he's doing and exactly how to play like he's just an empty-headed frat boy. You know? mm-hmm. Yeah, so as I uh, said earlier, we we're going to return to the, the peeing scene. What was it that you said? I'm sorry, I want to make sure that... You mean my, my line from the summary? No, it, when we were in the first section and you brought it up. Oh, uh, why is Jack the dude who is like, oh, right. the, the bathroom is empty, but he's still at the urinal right next to Steed. <laughs> right. So I, in preparation for this episode, I uh, called my partner at work and was like, I need to ask you questions as the uh, man in this house who has a penis and understand about like what's happening in this scene because Jack is peeing holding two pieces of bamboo like he's not like holding his dick i was like what like why why is this the direction you know like what's going on here and evan basically was like it's it's a power move like i don't i don't need to like hold my dick to like direct where i pee or whatever and like having both hands sort of like visible and putting his whole attention on steed being like i don't even need to pay attention to what i'm doing like this is just this is just a show of like power which i think is fascinating and then thinking about like when he turns to steed his hand neither his hands are not on his dick like both of his hands are at his side so his dick is just like out and he still is able to like direct his flow to pee on Steve's shoes. (laughs) I don't know. Um, Apparently it's very good. Apparently it's very good direction because I do think that it's effective. He also probably definitely has pee on his own boots, but like doesn't care. Yeah, maybe. Uh, Evan was like, you don't really need to worry about that. I'm not going to give you all the details that I was provided with because I don't (laughs) think everyone needs them. (laughs) um, Yeah. Maybe, but probably, probably maybe not. I don't know. Uh, but yeah, it's, yeah, such a, it's just such a LOL dick move for him to do. <laughs> <laughs> Pun fully intended. Uh, yeah. Yep. So anyway, the last thing I have in this section is about Frenchie and Wee John being room people. Do you have anything else? No, but I do want to talk about them because I love it. Okay, you start. It's just, like, the cutest fucking thing I've ever seen. And I think it's also really nice 
because up in this up until this point we've gotten like little bits of uh we've gotten to know Frenchie a little bit more than we've gotten to know E. John and we get a little bit more characterization for him um that I really like um and it's just just the two of them being so excited about that room is just like it's just such a nice break in the episode where a lot of it's like that and the bit with like Jim and Jackie are like a nice break from the kind of intensity that's happening between Steve and Ed and Jack. Um, and there's, I don't know, them like being like, I've never had a room before. is like, oh my God, my babies. I know. I'm so happy for you. Yeah. I love, they're both so kind to each other. I think that everyone on the revenge is like really lovely, but as we see with the way that they interact with Oluwande, like, they're not always super kind to each other, you know? They're like, oh, you're trying to talk about your feelings? We're way more busy, like, claiming your room. Or, like, he's like, I'm sad. Can I, like, sleep in here with you guys? And they're like, okay, bye! You know, like, they're not kind all the time. But they are so kind to each other. And, like, you know, when Weejon doesn't understand what the blueprints are, Frenchie is in no way, like, makes fun of him. He's just like oh no like let me explain this is how the perspective is working and like Wee John's holding a doll I don't where did the doll come from I don't know everything they're just so encouraging and sweet and good actually uh Wee John has that doll in the opening shot at night too he's like sleeping he's like it's either it's like under his head when he's in the hammock because I was looking very intensely at that scene so I'm just like what else what other funny things are happening in that in that uh-huh. opening shot He's holding the doll. That's I mean, so sweet. It is either clearly it was on a ship they had right. Okay, it's either like here's my two thoughts about that. Either a, we John made it made the doll himself, or number two, which I've had sort of rolling around in my head is that there's probably a lot of there's probably some weird shit on this sh- weird shit on the ship that Steed has because he assumed that Mary and the kids are going to join him. And I wonder if that mm. doll is one of them. And then we John was like, mm, this is mine now. And everyone's like, cool, whatever. That makes sense. It's not, he couldn't have made it. Cause it's not like a cloth doll. It's like a China doll. It has like a, it has a real face. Yeah. All right. I wasn't looking that closely at the doll. So yeah, either they rated it or Steed already had it on the ship for his daughter. I like that. The scene where, they're talking about their sitting nook, and Wee John is like, we can have mints for when people come over, and Frenchie's face crumbles at the idea of them having to have guests in their room. I feel like you maybe felt that very deeply. <laughs> I did. I felt it so deeply. <laughs> um, but what I really love in continuing this, like, they're being so kind to each other thing is that we, John, apparently immediately is like, cool, yeah, like, I don't want to make you uncomfortable. Because when Olawande is like, can I come in? We, John's like, we're not ready to have guests yet, you know? Yeah, they're, they're very supportive of each other. And yeah, especially, like, Frenchie is very excited for a bunch of things. And as someone who is, like, really is excited about a lot of things... It very intensely sometimes people are just kind of like the fuck is wrong with you <laughs> um and we john is like yeah okay let's talk about the setup of this room like i will subscribe to your diy channel like great just like about interior design and right and then he's just very sort of like okay you don't want people in the room that's fine yeah and it's just like it is very sweet and i see why people ship them 
Yeah, totally. Yeah. Yeah, I love it. Welcome to Do You Fancy a Fine Fabric, where we talk about aesthetics. What do you have first? Uh, Steed's Lavender Velvet Sleep Mask is so good. (laughs) (laughs) I did not pay enough attention to that, and now I feel like a fool because the the piece of it that exists in my memory i'm like oh yeah you deserved more attention it it just it never fails to make me laugh that he has this little his sleep mask and i'm like oh steve <sighs> uh calico jack dresses like daniel boone it's amazing <laughs> yeah his like wild west cowboy pirate look at first i find it very confusing but I'm also like, of course, this dude has this outrageous, not very piratey outfit. Like, again, what what other kind of dude would Ed be attracted to? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, Wee John's hair is excellent in this episode. Like, it's just, it's styled so well. And just like, I mean, and the actor is already very handsome, but like. Wee John's hair is so good. It's just like, oh, it's perfect. Yeah. He looks fucking hot. Yes. Yeah. Uh, You know who else looks fucking hot? Edward Teach in this black V-neck t-shirt with the neckerchief and like the necklaces. Honestly, I know you love the purple t-shirt. I think this might be better. I mean, it is an an excellent. I mean, like, once again, a V-neck cannot go wrong with the sexiness of the v-neck but no it looks it looks great yeah especially with as i will remind everyone steed's neckerchief tied very smoothly around his neck hanging down in his like gold necklaces uh it's such a good such a good look mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, what do you have next uh, i love steed's overly long waistcoat and parasol that he has <laughs> <laughs> longer and than his normal waistcoats and also again looks like it should be a couch at some mm-hmm. of some kind with a pattern on it and this like his incredibly tiny parasol like oh steed oh never never change steed <laughs> truly yeah mm-hmm. uh jackie oh <sighs> so beautiful in that red and gold shirt like whatever Mm -hmm. the pattern oh it's so good Mm -hmm. it's like shiny and ruffly the like high-waisted red pants god damn it i know it's like everything jackie owns is just various shades of red and i'm like yeah exactly never not never not wear this Mm -hmm. this actually fits well into my last thing which is geraldo's rooster trap stamp Obviously, he was a part of this terrible, dangerous, fucked up gang. And they all clearly had some kind of matching tattoos. He still gets it as a tramp stamp. (laughs) 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 Which feels very in character. (laughs) But also just like, are you kidding? Yeah. You know, (sighs) I feel like Geraldo has by wife energy but like also jackie has like by husband's energy they're just very clearly like a buy for buy 
couple. I feel like my mouth got lost there, but anyway. And having a tramp stamp just is like the most, it's, you see it and you're like, this makes perfect sense. Yeah, I I sort of feel like at this point, there just feels something very queer about getting a tramp stamp, which is kind of why I want one now. Because mm-hmm. <laughs> it's like, it's gone from like, conventional trashy back to like queer trashy <laughs> and mm-hmm. i'm like yes um i don't know what i would get unfortunately but I'm for the longest time i have wanted like i have been talking about this tattoo since i was 25 years old <laughs> it's 10 years now um i want a an exquisite portrait of tim curry's face as long john silver and muppet treasure island with a treasure map behind him and a banner underneath that says professional pirate. And I just like really want that as a tramp stamp and have been perpetually talking myself out of doing it. At first it was because Evan was like, please don't do that. Like (laughs) I do not want to look at Tim Curry's face when we're having sex. That's fair. Honestly. But then a while ago, he was like, you know what? If it would make you happy, get it. But I think it's mostly just that, like, really good portrait tattoos are so expensive. It's hard to talk myself into spending that much money on something that, A, I won't be able to see, and B, I only want because I think it's funny. I don't know. I'll probably get it when I turn 40. You could still get Professional Pirate as a tramp stamp, though, I feel like. That's true. I could. I don't think it would be the same. That's fair. Anyway. Um, my last thing here is Jackie's knife that pops out of her wooden hand. So cool. So cool. And especially with the whole joke about how long it takes to load an old school 1800s pistol. Mm-hmm. She's like, it's gonna take me a minute. And Jim's like, that is 59 seconds too long. And then Jackie gets to unveil unveil her hand knife which is just like yes perfect of course you have that that's incredible i think the joke is better because like part of the reason it's going to take her that long is because she's doing it with only one working hand oh that makes sense and then she's like actually the wooden hand is in itself a badass fucking weapon so yeah it's really good it's so fucking cool Jackie's an incredible character. Oh my god, she is. Have you? Did we talk about this in the last? I don't remember if I was talking to you about this or to Evan about this. About people, you know, talking about how we need lesbian pirates in season two and how badly everyone wants Jackie and Evelyn to be lesbian pirate captains together, which is like the hottest thing I can imagine. I have I have seen that. That is that would be pretty rad. So, or we could just get more awesome, beautiful ladies being excellent also. No, I want Evelyn. She's I mean, I want ready. her to come back because, I mean... She has a big cat. She has an eye patch. She is the same height as Jackie, which makes it even hotter. Mm-hmm. I, I want this. Like, they would be such a good couple. It would be pretty great. Yeah. Yeah. Love a, love a tall, intimidating actress like that. <laughs> Oh my god, I can't wait to talk about Evelyn when we get to the last episode. I know. <laughs> Welcome to Stark Revelations, where we talk about things that are fucked up. All right, I'm going to start off with something short. Okay. 
which is I deeply dislike that Nick that Jack's nickname for Ed is Blackie. Like deep I'm just like I deeply dislike it. Um and I feel like on like on one hand it like kind of works because how gross Calico Jack is, but on the other hand I'm like, we could have picked something else, you guys. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, so that is my first thing. Um and and I think onto my larger point is that like I also just deeply dislike that Jack and Izzy are both like, you know what? I know what's best for Ed. Mm. And like, without any of Ed's input or consent about what's going on, it's like, it's like super fucked up, you know? Yeah. And obviously like Izzy has his his own like, I'm in love with you. I would like, I would like for you to top me. And like, I don't like that you're with this effeminate dude. <laughs> And have given all your attention to him. And and Jack's just like, yeah, I'm on board for breaking this relationship up. And it's just like, that is so fucked up. And the extra layer of it being like two white dudes trying to make the decision for Ed is just also extra fucked up. Like, you could have not. You could have just not done these things, you guys. Um, You did. And it was, and it's deeply fucked up. And it continues to be fucked up. And I'm... Not mad that uh, Jack gets a, ch- a cannonball to the chest. Couldn't have happened to a better person. <laughs> yeah, totally. Yeah, you're super right. It is It is not good. Yeah, and I mean, I'll be getting more into sort of Izzy's choices for Ed as opposed to choices that he makes with Ed's input is like just really gross. And I mean, we've like really kind of touched on it, but like the particular way that Calico Jack is gross is a very like sexist borderline homophobic fat phobic way you know and it's just like oh of course you are jack of course you're like the most gross disgusting frat boy fucking motherfucker that's just gonna roll in here and be like let me let me bully you in just the most cliche way like and like any of his lines could have been from fucking badminton you know yeah totally you're this like, you know, weak sissy of a pirate, you know? Right. Yep. And I guess my last thing I just want to bring up real quick is that we get a line that uh, Ed and Jack were treated worse than dogs on Hornigold's ship, which I feel you could really take that in so many directions of whatever kind of terrible abusive situation Ed was in when he first became a pirate. Mm-hmm. And it's just sort of like... Yeah, of course you've just like hidden away all of your, the tenderness that you have because it's like you were to this terrible startup where there is no live work balance and you were probably beaten or stabbed or starved or whatever kind of ridiculous terribleness happened on this like pirate ship where it's like you and probably like 10 other young people who were basically cannon fodder. Right. It's like, I don't know. I guess it's sort of like sometimes like, Obviously, I joke that Izzy's, like, walked out of a, like, gritty pirate show. But I think sometimes it's easy to forget that Ed has also walked out of the same gritty pirate show. And thankfully, a little bit less repressed than Izzy. Right. <laughs> but it, all that, all that like, trauma and, like, fucked up shit is still there. Right. You know. Yeah, definitely. 
Welcome to The Art of Fuckery, where we rant about stuff. So if you will recall, in episode one, I was like, there are only two times in this entire season that I'm like, that doesn't make any sense. Where like something doesn't make sense in a way that I feel like we need to talk about the lack of sense. The first was this man being Steed's dad. The second shows up here, and it is... Steed is 100% correct. Turtle versus crab is incredibly cruel. And Oluwande would not be down for turtle versus crab. The rest of the crew, yes. He he would not. Like, this is profoundly out of character, and it really bothers me. No, I think you're right. He is probably very drunk. Yeah, I don't think... I feel like Oluwande would be the kind of drunk where, like his friends cheering about like forcing a turtle to fight a crab would make him go like cry you know that's true not like yeah let me like get in the front and be like cheering Mm -hmm. that's like i don't i i don't buy it yeah no that's fair also how ridiculous that whole thing was i hate it so much (laughs) really hate it i'm glad that steed says something because it's a fucked up thing to do it is it obviously wouldn't work the way that they're doing it but that doesn't matter yeah anyway what is your first thing here uh actually i think we covered everything that i had in other places (laughs) okay i'm gonna skip some stuff because we have been recording for so long i will conclude my rant section today with the fact that I really like that the whole crew just immediately turns on Jack when he kills Carl. They're not having it. Buttons is their friend. That is Buttons' friend. And like, nope. Yeah. I know. It's just, it's very, it's also just a very nice because you're sort of like, it's a heavy moment. And everyone's like, oh, wait, actually, mm. No, no, we gotta, we gotta stop this. This is, it's not cool, man. Yep. Welcome to And They Were Co-Captains, where we talk about sexy stuff. Here's my personal theory about Ed and Jack. Okay. Is that I think whatever friends with benefits situation they had, I think that they probably only fucked a few times, but... I think that they're still, like, I feel like Jack is still, like, obsessed with Ed. Because, Mm -hmm. I mean, A, who wouldn't? And B, have you seen him? Duh. Right. So, and so, yeah. And so I I definitely think they had, like, maybe, like, a sort of intense emotional uh, relationship. But I I think that they, like, when he's, like, dalliances, it's like, okay, that means, okay, you're, you're trying to play this up. I think that the amount of sex that Jack is alluding here, or I guess not alluding to Steed, probably didn't happen as much as maybe Steed is now imagining, or what mm. Jack is insinuating. Mm-hmm. I think they probably fooled around quite a bit, um, but I feel like, I still stand by my, I think Jack was maybe uh, more romantically obsessed with Ed than Ed was, where he was just like, but it's my friend, I like having friends, you know, I don't have, I don't have many friends because pirates, so. Right, right. Yeah, that makes sense to me. Um, 
my first thing is that Ed breaking that oar over his knee and throwing it into the sea is super fucking hot. Yeah, what a fuck you, man. Yeah, love it. Just love it. Ugh, I know. I mean, when isn't Ed teach hot? But yes, yes. Yeah. Particularly. Um, all right. So I just have obviously the end. The you came back, never left. <sighs> it kills me. It kills me every time. Yep. That wink. I know. I know. And it's and it's so it's so it's so great because everyone around Steed and Ed in this episode are like you guys are in a romantic you guys are in a romantic relationship whether maybe you realize that or not you know and despite their actions up until that point like Steed and Ed are still trying to like play it off I think as just being like oh but we're friends like we're really good friends you guys and like this is the point where it's like y'all y'all are more than good friends yeah like you you, you're you got caught by the english who want to murder who want to like kill pirates because you're like i cannot let steed go through this alone and i'm just like they're so in love (laughs) i love it i love it so much i love it so much i'm just like smile i'm just like watching it in my head and like smiling i'm just yeah, actually, I think I saw someone on, like, Tumblr who posted a photo of... It was either their tattoo or someone's tattoo of just, like, the leg touch. I know. <laughs> just it's like, so good. Uh, I love that. I think there's only two Our Flag Means Death gifts on Instagram to use in your stories, and one of them is just the, the foot touch. <laughs> so, sorry, what were you saying? I cannot believe they, uh, that was an, imp- an improv mood. It's so iconic. I know. Uh, my last thing is just that, and this is something that I did see on Tumblr or Twitter, but the fact that we get in this episode, Steed staying up all night to watch Ed and Jack so that we as fans do not have to speculate if they fucked on that beach. We know they did not because Steve's been watching them the entire time. Oh, that's so nice. I personally wasn't worried about that, but I can see that other people would be. So yeah, I think that's really great because I definitely think that that would be a thing that fans would latch onto and be mm-hmm. like, but what if they did fuck on that beach? And it's like, yeah, totally. No, Steve was watching. I mean, he would have kept watching them, which definitely, <laughs> I definitely read that fan fiction, but in the show, <laughs> it's not what happens. Welcome to The Crystals Attract Demons, where we talk about science and history and stuff. Um, I only have one thing, so you should go first. Okay, so uh, sailors are sailors were, for the most part, uh, paranoid about, th- saw it as bad luck for someone to kill a seabird. Okay. Which is what we have here in this episode. And there is, of course, a very infamous poem, The Rhyme of the Ancient Mariner, where... Uh, this dude's ship is uh, helped out of like rough waters by an albatross. And then the sea captain kills the albatross for like basically no fucking reason. And then dooms the crew to a variety of terrible things. This is a very long poem, you guys. 
And the crew revolt because all this fucked up shit happens. And they end up making the captain wear the dead albatross around his neck. Hence the saying, albatross around your neck being a thing about carrying all this guilt and stuff. I'm imagining the sea captain as uh, Bjork currently. But please continue. (laughs) As you should. Uh, And they do this to like appease the sea, but like... You know, and the sailors get uncursed, but this captain remains cursed to like wander the earth and tell the story about how he fucked up by killing this albatross. Okay. So yeah, so this is uh, part of where we get obviously a lot of lore about an albatross. Albatrosses specifically, you shouldn't kill them. But also I think pirates were a suspicious lot. And it seemed like the origin of why it's bad luck to kill and albatross is uh, partly because of the way that albatrosses fly um, and the way that they use like wind stuff to maneuver themselves. Because I don't know if you've ever seen a, a photo comparison of an albatross. They're fucking huge. They're giant birds. Okay. So they use a lot, a lot of like wind currents and stuff in order to maneuver through the sky. And sailors were able to like kind of read that to know about like weather patterns and stuff. So this is why... It's bad, it was bad luck to kill seabirds. And, I mean, we see Jack immediately. Not just because... I mean, he has the hex. The hexing helps. But a lot of bad luck happens as soon as Carl is dead. And the, yeah. uh, for the rest of this episode. Yeah. And not just because Carl was Button's lookout for ships. No, definitely. Yeah. That's rad. I love that. Okay, so my thing today is our our history book. Um, We're going to talk about Calico Jack. This is the thing that I am the most excited about of anything that I'm going to tell you from this book. I'm going to tell you a lot. Um, I'm going to give you more reading than I have in any previous one, just because this is so fun. Okay. Because I'm not really going to tell you very much about Calico Jack. Instead, I'm going to tell you about Calico Jack's wife. Because he is only mentioned in this book in the context of his wife, which I think is great. As he should be. You love to see. So. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, so his wife was Anne Bonny, an infamous lady pirate. She was an illegitimate child of this lawyer who, you know, his wife found out that he had this illegitimate child and she kicked him out. And he was like a really good dad. Uh, so he brought his illegitimate her mom went to jail so he brought her and to come live with him but basically he like couldn't admit that she was his child so he had her pretend that she was a boy and that he was like training her to be his clerk basically surprisingly progressive so yeah so she grew up says that she was a wild child with a real sense of adventure and a talent for boxing uh so she got together with a young pirate trainee named James Bonnie, and they, you know, went off pirating. She fell out of love with her husband and fell in love with Calico Jack, and they got together. They stole a pirate ship, started their own a pirating. So she still then obviously was still dressing as a man because women weren't allowed on pirate ships. So... And Bonnie and Calico Jack married off marauding being pirates. Enter Mary Reed, another infamous lady pirate who was brought up pretending to be a boy also for illegitimate child reasons. 
she ran off to sea and by pure happenstance ended up on the crew of Anne Bonny and Calico Jack's ship. And Anne was like, who's this hot dude? I'm like into him. <laughs> and they <laughs> says... Anne Bonnie found herself attracted to the dashing young quote-unquote man, and eventually it became necessary for Mary and Anne to compare notes, so to speak, says this book that I will remind you is written for middle schoolers. So I think we can all take that to mean that, like, history says that they were in a lesbian relationship, again, while Anne was married to Calico Jack. So that's great. It gets better. You love to see, truly. This is, right? Yeah, it, this is great. It's the best. Um, So they both still were like dressed as men. The crew mostly didn't know that they were women, but they were like super effective, like very formidable pirates. And when their ship was eventually attacked by a British naval sloop, Calico Jack and the rest of the men on the crew were drunk, passed out below decks. And so Anne and Mary fought the entire like british ship by themselves apparently very effectively um and then when they were you know clearly overtaken and like the rest of their shipmates had started like waking up and were like cowering below they called them all cowards and like killed and injured several of their own shipmates because they were like you fuck-ups they all got captured, the ones that weren't killed. Oh, no. They went to prison and were all going to be put to death. But Mary and Anne both managed to get themselves pregnant so that they couldn't be hanged because it was illegal to hang a pregnant woman. So not only did they, like, get out of being executed, they got out of prison. And, and it says to pr- when Anne... Uh, was visiting her husband Calico Jack while he was waiting for execution. She told him that she was admittedly sorry to see him in such a predicament, but if he'd fought like a man, he wouldn't be about to be hanged like a dog. Wow, what a badass. The end. <laughs> right? Yeah, I, I've definitely seen chatter about uh, uh, those two ladies. People are like, they need to show up in the next season. And I'm like, I mean, I'm always here for m- more more queer pirates, but that is fucking rad and honestly if that's what we get in a like sanitized for middle schoolers like that must have been so much a much more queer situation going on i know i love it i know it makes me so happy yeah lovely yeah yeah fuck calico jack you're that (laughs) yeah my last thing is about Rumors, the Fleetwood Mac album that we get the chain from, which is played at the very end of this episode, which for folks that didn't know is uh, infamously ri- like put together when everyone, every single person in this band was having relationship issues and four of the five band members were having relationship issues with each other. Oh um, no! <laughs> two of the two of the two of the folks were married and like going through a divorce, and two of the folks, Stevie Nicks and some other fucking dude, were like having a very like rough on again, off again thing. Um, okay. Also, because this is like their eighth album, they also had a ton of money, and were doing, and they blew a lot of that money on cocaine, pun intended. 
So this album <laughs> is definitely the like sad breakup album <laughs> you want to listen to. Um, but the cool thing about the chain, the song at the end of this, is that because everyone's having relationship issues, there are a lot of songs where it's like, you know, they didn't necessarily want to collaborate with one another because everyone's just mad at everyone else and all these like messy things happen going on. But the chain is the only song on the album that is credited to all five members of the band because it's sort of a mishmash of like music created for other songs that are sort of like mixed in to lyrics that Stevie Nicks and the dude that she was breaking up with. No, well, no. She wrote the song and then music from like every from like every person in the band that they've like written for like various other things are sort of like smushed together. Hmm. for this song which is kind of why it like it starts off sort of like folky kind of you know smooth rock ish and then you get like the fucking metaphorical bass drops and then it gets like yeah so anyway what an excellent use of this song to use at the end of this episode even though it is sort of like Stevie are not breaking up they're getting proverbially back together and I guess Mm -hmm. literally back together too all right, welcome to our final segment. <laughs> I just realized that it's funny that I call them segments when this is the Petrified Orange. Um, <laughs> welcome to the Petrified Orange segment. <laughs> exactly. Um, where we do a lightning round of our new favorite things, and I think it is your episode to go first. Frenchie also has a sleep mask in this episode. It is just his scarf tied around his head <laughs> and his eyes. <laughs> Yeah, my first one is also from the scene where we see them all sleeping because the Swede is sleeping in a barrel. Did you see that? I did. He is in a barrel. It's so funny. Oh my god. I can't believe neither of us brought out the like Pete and Lucia's cuddling bit from the I know, scene. it's really sweet. Anyway. Lightning, go. Oh, sorry. My second favorite thing <laughs> is that, as we mentioned earlier, we get Button's, one of, one of Button's name, Nathaniel. From a seagull. This is how we find out mm-hmm. that Buttons has another name. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's just like, it's just deeply, it's just deeply sweet. <laughs> yeah, it is. I'm changing my last one last minute, even though I really like the things that I have written down. But it's, I have to change it because we somehow didn't bring this up earlier. Uh, the scene where Buttons is hexing Calico Jack is like one of the funniest things that I've ever seen in my entire life. And, like, every time I watch it, I'm like, how how did you make this? Like, how did you all get through filming this without losing your whole minds cracking up? And apparently it took a lot of work because I read an interview with the guy that plays Roach where he talks specifically about that scene. And it's really great. And I'll link it in the show notes. But he basically was like... He's like yelling so much and his like he's naked and his like every time he would yell, apparently his like butt cheeks would clench really tight (laughs) and they were all standing behind him. And it just like they were just like destroyed and it took like a million takes because they were cracking up so much. And that just makes me really happy. Yeah, I I feel like I never know how people work on fucking comedies like this without just like, I'm sorry, I can't be in the scene because I'm laughing. Right. I know. I know. Um, I do want to say the other thing that I didn't, though, because it's the Swede when he's trying to convince Oluwande to 
like whip the cup off of his head and he goes, I'll close my eyes so you can't hit them. <laughs> I fucking love it so much. Someone please tell everyone how bodies work. <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay, wait, I have, one, I have one last favorite thing, which okay. is buttons would make such an excellent personal assistant because when uh, Calico Jack rolls up, he's like, oh, you're looking for Blackbeard? Maybe he's here, maybe he's not. You want to leave a message? And I'm like, yes. <laughs> <laughs> tell him nothing. Who is this rando? Don't tell him anything. It's true. Oh, my gosh. Oh, my gosh. What a good episode. I can't believe we just talked for two hours. I'm not surprised by that. No, me either. <laughs> Thank you all so much for listening to this episode. Make sure you check the show notes for all the stuff. And uh, until next time. Farewell, Bonnets Playthings. Bye.